The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 206 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm good. I got purple drink in hand. I'm ready to go. Yeah, that's good. It's legal for you to drink lean. Is it? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there was. Maybe... A, we're not going to dwell on it. There's a mile bridge, miles bridges thing. It took me about 20 minutes to Google what the hell was going on. I didn't understand. I'm very you, what if it was just like Gatorade and vodka? Then it's yeah. totally legal, except for the marijuana part. If you're, part, if you're interested, is... but let's talk about the finals. One one. It's been fun so far, right? I, I have. Mean, a question for you before we start. It's okay. about it. It's finals adjacent. Who is a bigger Kobe Bryant fan? You or Jason Tatum? <laughs> uh, I don't want to kick dirt on Kobe's grave. Jeez Louise. Why, why, um, why would Jason Tatum be a, being a big Kobe fan? Well, I'm not. I'm, I was never a huge Kobe fan. Um, although, you know, we did have that debate off the air about, you know, Steph and his legacy and look big game too. He's looked good in both games, I thought. And like, how high does he elevate if he gets another title? And Steph, Kobe was one of the things we were talking about. You said Steph is better, historically. I didn't even even hesitate, honestly. I I might hesitate a little bit. I I was not a Kobe fan, but like, just in terms of like his, you know, better size, better defense in his prime. He has what, five titles? Steph's got. I, I think we're getting to the point. Let's say the Warriors do end up going on to win the series. And actually, real quick, my initial reaction after game one was that the Warriors were like probably drawing dead based on what we saw from them in game one. And then they made a bunch of adjustments in game two. And, you know, they did some things defensively that I didn't think they would do. Uh, and and now I, I just think it's going to be a good series. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, but Curry, I think we're entering stratosphere of like, how close are we to him being one of the like five best offensive players of all time? Like, I'm not joking. I I don't know that he's there, but just in terms of like his actual impact on an offense, on a basketball game, like how many guys on the offensive end impact the game, the way that Steph Curry does. I I, I don't know. I, I can name like, I'm pretty confident LeBron does just because of the way that he passes. I'm pretty confident that like, Jordan at his peak did just because he was so hard to stop. But like beyond those two guys, like I think Steph Curry is one of the only other guys that just guarantees you're going to be an elite offense, no matter what, like he he's just that good in my opinion. And, and the way that you have to guard him is different than you have to guard anybody. I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, true. I'm just looking up last year. They had the 20th ranked offense with Curry playing 60 games and having right, sort but, of like an MVP. Type but you, year. but you keep it, but, but if you keep in mind, like when he's on the court, they're much better than that. And then when he's off That's the court, true. you know, and he, and I mean, like talking about specifically the finals, like it feels at times like he's the one guy who's been reliable for them offensively, where it's just like clay, you know, we talked about, it hasn't looked 
himself or whatever. He has looked, you know? uh, he has looked in my opinion, abysmal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't and, know of a better adjective to describe Clay Thompson. And, and, and Jordan Poole, who's supposed to pick up the slack, has looked like he had a late flurry, but he he's looked like kind of skittish and unreliable yeah, that, so far as well. So so obviously Steph has had two like massive quarters, right? The first quarter in game one where he was amazing, you know, six for seven from three. Actually, I think he finished six for eight because he actually took the heave at the end of the quarter rather than uh, waiting. And then third quarter of game two, where he hit five threes and then all of a sudden pool like got going by proxy. It was like osmosis where like, and the end of the third quarter, like when pool hit the, like between the legs, like 42 footer at the buzzer. And like, he knew it was going in right after he'd hit a deep three before that, like that was an incredibly cool moment to me. Just to, you know, yeah. we, we're not even talking about like from a basketball perspective, just like Oracle is really loud when it gets going and it and it was silent at the end of game one. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's a close game and, and, you know, they fight back at the end of the first quarter in game two, but it looks like, Hey, you know, they can't get stops and Boston it's, it's easier for them. And then all of a sudden, just like shades of the old warriors, just like an absolute haymaker in the third quarter. And they had so, no so answer for think? Steph Curry. What do you think the difference was? So game one, the Warriors looked in control for most of the game and then they got blown out in the fourth when Boston was just finally like nailing every open three and they had a lot of them. Game two, same thing, except the, the Boston flurry never came. So like yeah. what adjustments do you think Golden State made to, to help or is it just a matter of, you know, Boston was super hot in game one and not quite as hot in game two? No, I mean, I think Boston obviously started the game really hot in game one, right? I think they started like eight for 13 from three or eight for 14 from three and Jason Tatum was one of the ones doing a lot of the damage. And so I think a couple different adjustments to me, you know, the, the, the first one is quite obvious. Game two, he was hot. Yeah, game. he was hot at the start of game two. I mean, I, I think Tatum, I, I don't recall. He, he, made was, five. he hit five in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was really good, right, at shooting the basketball. Yeah. But I, I think that they did a couple things that, that to me, really kind of like set the tone, right? And the main one is that they, they switched Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, right? So Draymond was mostly on Jalen Brown, which – if he is allowed to just be as physical as he wants, which in the finals, typically they do let Draymond Green do that. You know, that's a really good adjustment, right? Because Clay Thompson was embarrassed by Jalen Brown, I thought, in the fourth quarter of game one. Jalen Brown, in my opinion, was the best player in the fourth quarter. He got guys a ton of open shots. Dre is the type of defender that he does better when he's engaged, right? And then when he's off the ball, he like roams around. And so I have been a very ardent Draymond Green supporter, to much to your chagrin, it's it's provided a lot of uh, humor for you over the years, I would say. But at the end of game one, if you ask me simply, like, what was the biggest issue for Golden State? It wasn't that, like, the Celtics shot the ball well. It was that Draymond Green had no idea what the fuck he was doing defensively. Like, he just wasn't guarding Al Horford. Like, and so they switched it and they put Clay Thompson on Al Horford. And they were kind of like, all right, if he's going to post this up to death, like, we'll live, live with it. But he didn't even get an open three because... Clay, whether he's a shell of himself or not, can at least stay in front of somebody when they don't have the ball and like recognize where they are. And I thought that was a huge adjustment just yeah. to not allow Horford to be wide open to do whatever he wanted. And that's sort of the flaw of like the stretch big in a way. If they're if they're just out there being like mediocre three-point shooters and they never get the ball inside, then they're more easy to defend with wings. You know, like you they're really not gonna hurt you. Um, so you can kind of play smaller. And I think I think that's an adjustment that the Warriors are like, I think the most helpful thing to me was being like, look, we can't have, we have limited um, shooting when we have, you know, Draymond and then Looney again, he's not a spacer. 
And then Iguodala hit some shots, but they really weren't respecting him in game one. So it's hard to play two or three of those kind of guys at once. Yeah, it, honestly, Iguodala, you pointed this out during the game, but him just not being able to play might have been uh-huh. a real blessing in disguise. Because, they, you know, we had heard they were going to play Gary Payton in game one, but then, like, restrictions weren't all the way lifted. And then as soon as Iggy was out, they were just like, all right, he can go and he can play 25 minutes. And, you know, if he can space the floor, that gives you another guy to guard Tatum the way that he pressures the ball, you know, he turns guys over and the Celtics had, I think 18 turnovers in game two, this happens. Yeah. That was a huge, that like box score wise. That was the biggest difference. The turnovers. I mean, and and things happen like that for them frequently, right. They just have a couple games where like guys throw it all over the court, but I do think it's not so much that like, you know, Tatum and Brown play bad. It's just that, I mean, the adjustment on Jalen Brown was great. And if he can't dribble and create offense for them, then it, then it comes down to like, all right, Jason Tatum has to do that. And, he was fantastic in game one, in my opinion. I know he shot three for 16, but like he had 13 assists and they were just like easy shots. He just kept the ball moving. Guys made open shots and like they didn't have that luxury this time because one, Tatum, it's, it, it was harder for Tatum to just get a switch he wanted right away, right? He, you could tell when Cool was on him, like he was looking to get a screen to try to switch. But the problem is a lot of times that was Draymond Green. Yeah. And so and, and to, like, even like Bill, it's did a good job. He was really good. I think he played yeah. only eight minutes. Right. But he, he spent like the- somebody had a stat, like people have been attacking him in the playoffs, not just in game two, but throughout the playoffs. And he's held up really well defensively. He yeah. like, obviously doesn't look the part. But- I, I think that he's got a diminishing returns thing going on where like you can play him and he'll be good for a while. And then after a while, probably it's, it's a yeah. little much, but he was good. He got some rebounds. Like he had a couple like slips where he just like, caught it and finished at the rim because he can finish with both hands. He's a like, smart he, player, you he know, he's, he's, he's a, he like knows basketball. I, I'm very curious to see, honestly, like I really like this series. Like I, I was really yeah. disappointed after Sunday that like we don't have another game till Wednesday and that like we maybe only have five games left because the way these two teams play with how versatile they are and how good their players are, there's just a lot of different things that could happen, right? So like, for example, in game one, the Warriors decided they were going to play zone for some reason, which I understand. Like there's parts of the Celtics that you look at and you're like, ah, they just can't shoot. And it just didn't work. Right. You know, we, nobody needs to hear us say that like Al Horford was what six for eight from three. Derek white was like yeah. five for eight. Marcus smart made five threes. Like we don't, it doesn't need to be rehashed, but they played one series of zone in game two. Jason Tatum hit a three. Steve Kerr lost his mind and they never went back to zone again. Well, I think that it was like almost a carryover from Dallas when they played a lot of zone where they're like, Luca is hard to stop when he gets inside. And we're just going to have to like play some zone because we can't really match up with him. Tatum has not been as effective doing that. Like, look at he's been hot from three, from two point range. This is almost hard to believe this stat. From two point range, he is doing the math four for twenty two in, in two games. games. In two games, but the whole the the Celtics as a whole are very bad from two. I believe correct. Like they're I'm not they're, I have to look that up. But yeah. yeah I mean, so I, I can tell you I have it up. So they're the, the Celtics are 36 for 78 from three, right? So that's 46%. So let me do this quick math. They're 73 for 165 from the field in total. So I mean they're shooting 44%. They're shooting well under 40% from two. That's yeah. It's it's you know and that's the one thing I think Tatum needs to work on. It's not his game, but like Look, he he averaged six free throws a game. That's pretty good this year, but it's not like Kobe level. You know, his buddy Kobe. <laughs> it's not uh, Jordan. But you didn't. I thought you didn't want to get into this. No, I. But you know what, Kobe. This is what I was thinking about Kobe. Like, I think Jordan, Kobe, like they look to attack all the time. And then when they got when they had some resistance, 
they'd kind of fall back and like hit the jumper because they could, you know, like I feel like Tatum goes the other way where he's like, he leads with the jumper. And then if he has to, he'll drive, you know, he doesn't seem like that's his game. And it kind of makes him a little streakier than some of the other great players. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Tatum's really good. I, I think it's funny to watch a guy like Jason Tatum because like, in my opinion, Steph Curry is very clearly the best player in this series. I, I don't, I don't, He's been the best player by far. Yeah. I don't think it's close, though. Honestly, like he'd been the best player for sure, but I don't. I don't think it's close. like if you watch. One thing that's fun about Steph Curry, I think a lot of people don't like it. They think you know he's like ruining the game of basketball. I think Stephen A. Smith actually said that, and Kevin Durant got involved. Our favorite internet troll, which is again so great, but like Curry's just like constantly moving and he looks like he's loose with his dribble and he does some like weird stuff, but like every single thing he does on the, the offensive end impacts the game. And the Celtics are a hard team to stretch out because of how long they are, because of how good they are defensively. And like, there have been times where he's made them look terrible and we have not yeah. seen that from the Celtics this offseason, this, this playoffs. And that's like one of the cool, most underrated parts about Steph Curry's game. The announcers seem to be calling him Stephen Curry a lot more. Is that intentional? Have you noticed that? I don't know. Who noticed that? It's Mark, it's Mark it Jones. Like maybe the, maybe he's just more formal. And yeah, Mark Jackson, know. obviously, that's you know he he's going to call him what is what God named him. So you know that's his God given yeah. name. No, isn't <laughs> um, it? What's his actual name? Wardell, Wardell right? Wardell. Nobody calls him Wardell. So well, Wardell, the most underrated part, I think, is you know obviously best shooter ever, but. There was some headline on some sports site. It's like, is Seth the best shooter ever? Question mark. Like, I don't think there's that many it's sports debates a, that are that resolved. It's not a question. Way. He's the best shooter of um, all time. Like, it's but, not. But he is. You know what else? I think the most underrated part of him is like his, when he does like sneak inside and like finish in traffic. Like, he's really good at that too. He is. And he does, you know, he has a bunch more. And this was something that Jordan Poole has shown throughout the year. Yeah. Like they have a bunch of like, you know, floaters and like some mid-range stuff they can go to. And I think the more they can do that, because for Poole, you could see it clearly bothered him in games one and the beginning of game two. He got his shot blocked a bunch, right? It just happened. Like he got blocked by, you know, multiple guys other than Robert Williams. And then all of a sudden, like Poole, you could see him in the third quarter. Like, you know, he went to one dribble pull up. He he hit a right-handed floater, like. And you saw Steph start to do that. Like he had the one scoop shot. He had a, he had a hilarious floater that was like from inside. The, it was like at the elbow, but like those guys have a bunch more finishes in their bag of tricks where they don't need to get all the way to the rim too. And that does make it very difficult for the defense to decide what they're going to do. Now, I don't think personally, given how good Steph has been and given like, like I said, the third quarter was just unbelievable. Like just his onslaught, all of a sudden it was like, he just took the game over. It was amazing. And it was so quick. I just don't think they can ever drop on him. And, 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 you know, Zan, like I have pounded the table that like, you have to switch your coverages up against Steph Curry and you do, but like drop coverage should just not be in the mix. Cause even if he's zero for 10, if you drop, he's going to make one. And if he makes one, he can make his next 10. Well, and that's what makes the warriors also so dangerous is like, if you just trap him, like, anyone else on the court can still attack basically like Wiggins and Draymond. Like they can all like take the ball up, dribble, pass, whatever, try to score. Dallas had so much trouble. Cause it's like, you know, you passed like Davis Bertans trying to make something happen. Like with the ball in his hands, 40 feet out, like he can't do anything. Like no, he, he needs cannot. to be like set. Yeah, to shoot. He has to shoot it. Yeah. He has yeah. to shoot it. I, um, I do think one thing with the Warriors and, and we're, we're doting praise on the Warriors and, and they probably yeah. should be up too well. Right. But again, I, I thought they lost the game in game one. Like I thought their performance 
did not merit a victory, even though they made 19 threes. Like they were so bad defensively, in my opinion. And so I think that um, one, one thing that like they do have guys that that suffer, in my opinion, like defensive lapses. Like you can see Wiggins do it. Draymond kind of like loses his head sometimes. For them to really win this series, and I think it's close, right? Like I said, Golden State yeah. in six. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Boston shouldn't be the fave. Obviously, they have home court right now. Like maybe Boston should be like minus one thirty or something. It's pretty close, in my opinion. Let's, let's but, check out the odds actually, because it was Warriors after before game one, after game one. Obviously, it's leading to the Celtics, but. You're right. Like Boston has home court right now. The series price is nearly even. It's, you know, on Bovada at least, Boston even, Warriors minus 120. So they're saying slightly favored to Golden State, but about as even as you can find. Yeah. I, I just think that like Golden State has to be as focused defensively as they were in games in game two. Like it, it just, it just seems to me that, uh, they are going to be fine on offense, right? They scored 108 points, I think, in game one, 107 in game two. Like, that's going to be enough with the way these teams defend. Like, and they're probably going to have a couple games where they don't shoot as well as they did, but they're going to get open shots and they're going to make a lot of open shots, right? Like, Otto Porter has been good from three. They probably need to play Porter more, in my opinion. Wiggins hasn't been great from yeah. three, but he's been really good attacking bad closeouts. Like, he, he's attacked Tice. He's attacked Al Horford. Like, we've actually seen him attack Jalen Brown a, a couple times. Like, in my opinion, Wiggins has a another level he could get to, but like, you know, if he makes some shots, they're in good, good shape. And then Gary Payton is not the X factor in my opinion. He's just not going to be good enough offensively, but he does need to be able to make corner threes. Cause that's going to be a guy that eventually that's going to be an adjustment. He's not going to get guarded. And so like, I don't know if he'll be able to provide the level of value he did in game two, if he can't also make a shot. Right. And so I just think that golden state, is going to have to win defensively as stupid as that sounds like, because they're so good offensively, but if they, if they just have to make sure they don't suffer defensive lapses that let them get beat by somebody like Al Horford, if Jason Tatum scores 50 and you lose, what are you going to do? You know, but I like for golden state. Yeah. I think the key, if I was the coach, um, Steve Kerr's his name, I think, I think they have an advantage when it's like small ball, like, cause they have more wings and like they could play, Draymond at the five, they could play Bielitsa at the five and like fill it up with wings. If you count Gary Payton as a wing, Otto Porter, I agree. He's been really good. Basically the whole playoffs, he should, I mean, if he's healthy enough, he should be playing, you know, 25 minutes a game. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, like they won't do Porter at the four, right? Like I, I that, understand. That's their best lineup to me. Like, is if, like if they're Steph, going to have Clay, well, I guess. I mean, think about this, right? To. If they're going to have Clay guard Al Horford and they won't do that as they won't do that all the time, but if they're going to have Clay guard Al Horford, like, why can't you play Porter? Because like, let's just say the Celtics go two bigs, which the Celtics probably shouldn't do, to be honest. They haven't been yeah. great with two bigs, but let's say the Celtics do play Robert Williams. All right. Draymond can guard Robert Williams. And then you have Porter who should do fine right on. I mean, you'd assume he'd do fine on Tatum as, as good yeah, as anybody I mean, does. He has, yeah. And he's got I a bunch of size and length. And then like, obviously then you're in a situation where it's like, all right, is it Curry? Is it pool? Is it, Gary Payton, but if you play Gary Payton, right, then you have Payton and, and you have Payton and Draymond, two non-shooters, but you also have Payton can guard Tatum and Porter can guard Brown, right? And then Curry guards Smart or whatever, right? Like you're not in a bad situation with Otto Porter. If, if no, you're not that's force... what's so weird about this Otto Porter, like, because you think of Otto Porter as like, oh man, that guy's kind of over the hill. He's probably in his third, you know, mid thirties. He's 29 
And, you know, he's only a few years removed from getting like a, you know, near max or whatever he got in Washington. Um, he doesn't look like he's 29. He, he looks a little heavy and whatever. But, I mean, skill-wise, this is like a guy who should be starting for a team. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's it's weird, like... Um, and Boston doesn't have that kind of guy. We've talked about all playoffs. Everyone needs like an extra, you know, auto Porter type or, you know, Justin holiday type. There's not that many guys like that. And Boston kind of has a limited supply there, you know, like they don't have after Jalen and Tatum, they don't have great wing depth. Yeah. This is an interesting series in the sense that like, there's been a number of times when I've like said that, okay, this isn't the series for Jordan Poole. Like ah, Clay Thompson can't play, but there's also been a number of times where I'm like, Daniel Tice can never play Grant Williams. Like this has not been the series for Grant Williams so far. There's not a, there's not like a specific matchup for Grant Williams. that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, I guess like maybe he can guard Clay Thompson, but like, that's kind of weird, right? Clay can put it down some. And so like, I, I wonder like, you know, that was one of the things that made Boston a little bit more dangerous was like Grant Williams did a pretty good job on, uh, Giannis. And then in my, in the Miami series, like, you know, he can, play the PJ Tucker role, right? He can guard Jimmy Butler a little bit. He's got to play like physical, but like, because of the fact that like Golden State doesn't play offense, like those two teams, it's hard for Grant Williams, right? He's just chasing dudes around. Like, yeah, he could be like a small ball five maybe, but then you have three centers basically. Right. And even Draymond, like make no mistake about it, Zan. Draymond was in my opinion, unhinged at the start of the game. Starting I, we didn't even Sunday. talk about the tech. I thought he should have gotten thrown out but, personally. But yeah, he basically admitted after the game that he can yeah. do things that other guys can't because of his reputation, which is just like you're also, by the way, did you listen to the game with uh sound on? I know you turned it on yeah. for did you hear Steve Jabby's like explanation? Yeah, he did where, the same thing where he's where like, he was hey. where he was basically like, Yeah, refs need to be aware of like who has one technical. So like they and, can and manage the, the situation. Praising that, Mark and it was like, what are you Gundy. talking about? I personally I did not think it was a technical foul. I told you this. You just I just thought I, it I, wasn't in general. I just thought it wasn't a tech. That's exactly right. Right. But like Steve Jabby saying that like you could get away with more if you had one tech in a big moment, like that's essentially what he said. Like well, that's I, a, I've been saying that for years where they're always like Mostly in foul trouble, you know, when they get the fifth foul, it's like, oh my God, he has to play very cautious now, very cautious. I'm like, the refs are so reluctant to give that sixth foul they or are. that second tag. Unless it's like, unless it's like Scott Foster or uh, Mark Davis. Mark Davis like loves to, to make himself well, and it was part still of it. The, was it the first half though, right? It was the it was first like, half. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like, here's another thing. Why did Marcus Smart grab Draymond Green and separate him? Like I'm listen, I I, I, I'm a fan of like, Hey, like let's beat the other teams best. Right. But like, what the hell they were baiting him all first quarter. I know you turned it on a little late. Like, so they're baiting him the entire first quarter. He finally takes the bait and gets attacked. Right. Cause he can't help himself, but then they have him ready to get ejected. Like he, I I mean, the guys, I thought he played great. Like he was personally like his energy level and his activity. It was really key too. But like he was unhinged. Like he was, he was like literally hanging by a thread, like ready to get ejected. And Marcus Smart pulled him away from Jalen Brown. I, I like, I would, I mean, Ime Udoka is an interesting cat, right? Like he is super intense. Players seem to really like him, like whatever. I would hope he showed him this and was like, look, if Draymond Green wants to get ejected from a game, that helps us. Like that is sure. fine. You know, I don't know why he did that, but I, I do. But I, I do think the energy level and the, and the swagger and the toughness, like that's a real thing to me. Like, and we talked about agree. Steph Curry, like historically, he's been very fortunate to be in this organization in just that sense where it's like finding the perfect stars around him. Like clay, just a big guard, you know, cause he, you know, he need, he can't 
defensively, you wouldn't want Steph with like Monte Ellis or whatever no. he was with earlier on. And then Draymond just having that sort of toughness and that energy, like, cause Steph's not that guy, you know, he's not like a street fight kind of guy. And none of the Warriors really are, you know, they used to have tougher teams with Bogut and, and David West. Like this is kind of like a softer team, I think. And to have that one guy who can kind of stand up and bark back and kind of give them that energy, I think is important. Yeah. I mean, also though, like Draymond Green is annoying. Like it, it needs oh, to sure. <laughs> It, it, I, and he he's like you know his ego is just completely out of control. At uh, point. It's, it's it's like outrageous, Zan. Like his, his comments after game one, where like he literally looked at the stat sheet and was like, "Role players fifteen to twenty three from deep, like we'll be fine." Like they went. He was 15, right though. He was right about they that. They went one. fifteen for twenty three <laughs> from deep because of the way that you guys defended. Like it's not like. I mean, listen, Derek White's not a great shooter. Marcus Smart's not a great shooter. Al Horford's, a, in my opinion, a pretty good shooter for a big, but like. They're NBA players. Like there are very few guys that if you just give them wide open looks, they're just going to really clank them. Now, a couple of guys are in this series that, that, that'll do that for sure. But it's just like, I just, well, I think I, that's the key. If I had to look ahead. Also like, why is Draymond just like baiting everybody in his interviews now too? It's like, you're in the middle of the NBA finals and like, this guy's like trolling Kevin Durant. Like it's, it's great stuff, but like, I don't, I just don't get it, Sam. Like he's, he's so ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I think game three and beyond talking about both in Boston, I think that's going to be the key. Can Boston slow it down? They were 24th in pace this year, you know, big defensively. Can they keep their two bigs out there, play slow, play, you know, physical. And I think they're, they're in better shape there. If, if Golden State can stay small, stay aggressive. I mean, I think their, their shooting's just better. And, you know, they, they're, I think they could win. It's just going to be how can you control that in Boston for two games? I think it's just a matter of is is Golden State going to win one or zero? I, I don't see them winning both. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So game one, the pace was slow, slower pace than both teams play in the regular season. But Boston played a, a slightly slower pace than uh, Golden State did this season. And then game two was Golden State like right at their season average for pace. And obviously they were a little bit better. Boston if they don't turn the ball over, it is, it is hard to beat them just because of how good they are in the half court. They turn the ball over a bunch and like, you know, the Warriors want transition threes. And so I would assume they split in Boston, right? Think, like, yeah, I think Boston, if you gun to their head, I think they would have been happy splitting. Oh yeah. I, if you're State. Boston, I think you, you got to feel okay. Yeah. Like, and I, I think Golden State would be happy to split this, these two games as well. Yeah. I just don't know if they can. I, I think, you know, because you're relying on Steph being hot every game, basically, at this point. But I, mean, so much. but I mean, also, though, like, like how much are you really relying on that? Like, I, here's the thing. So, so if you – we're talking about Steph Curry like he had, like, the greatest game ever. But honestly, right. like, he didn't – and obviously he didn't play in the fourth quarter, right? So he could have finished with 45. Who knows? But he went 9 for 21, right? And he was 5 for 12 from 3. So, like, those numbers seem very – but he, yeah, but you know what? He he didn't look rattled at all. Sometimes he gets pressure. He only had four turnovers in two games. He looks That's like true. very much like the, the length and like the defense of Boston, which is good, didn't bother him. Do you, you know? do you think that Boston will experiment with like Tatum or Brown? I, I, I understand Marcus no. Smart is like the I mean, greatest Smart defensive player in the world, year. but we're we're also like I'm pretty negative about Marcus Smart for for no other reason than just like again he's not the best defensive player in the NBA it's fine he's a very good defender he is 
struggling a bit, I think, with... Again, I did start off the podcast by saying I thought Steph Curry was one of the best offensive players ever, so, like, this isn't really a knock on Marcus Smart. But have you noticed that, like, they just keep setting screens higher and higher and higher for Steph Curry? And I think, you know, Marcus Smart's natural reaction is, like, you have to be attached to him at all times. And that's true, right? But Steph doesn't really... He doesn't do the Dame thing where if you don't meet him at like the circle, he'll shoot it. He more so it's like if you drop too low on a screen, he'll just bury it. Right. And I wonder if Smart is trying to stay like a little too attached in early offense to Steph Curry. And I, I don't know, honestly, like I'd have to go back and watch. But like I am just curious if like because of how much Curry's moving and because of how much Smart is staying attached to him, if that's really bothering the Celtics and it's really stretching them out because we are seeing situations that like Curry is getting the ball on like kind of that secondary offense creator role where like he gives it up and he like runs around a bunch and then like he gets it back and gets a quick ball screen and they don't have somebody at the second level of the screen and he hits a three. And it, it's like, what's the worry? What's the Celtics adjustment to that? And so I, I, I wonder if the added length might be better. Because even though Smart is an excellent defender and he is bigger and stronger and longer than Steph Curry, I do wonder if like them putting him in so many actions and him being so attached to Curry, like he's he's always like lock and trail. I just wonder if having a bigger guy that maybe you can maybe you can you can experiment with like trying to go under it or like you know and yeah, seeing how that fair. works. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I would also double Curry more if if they could. And it's hard yeah, to do I with. You have to. I think you have to double him more, trap him more, and try to. It's hard to do, by the way. It's hard to do with Horford, like and 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 Robert yeah. Williams. Like those guys are really good defenders, and and Rob Williams, if he's healthy, can switch. But he's not healthy. He clearly can't switch right now to the level that he could. And so I wonder if they're just very worried about big, to, big to small doubles and and Curry just destroying them in that way because. The Warriors are really good playing four on three, if that makes sense. Like, No, it does. But I think you got to dare him to do it because Wiggins has not looked super aggressive so far. I was thinking that he's actually looked pretty good, like in terms of cuts. Like, like, yeah, that's true. And he's a couple offensive rebounds. He looked good. Um, And they did a really good job, I thought, of like getting early in the game. They did this with Bielitsa too, but early in the game, they got drives, they got the defense to step up and like they utilized like Looney in the dunker spot and Bielitsa in the dunker spot. And that's not something we saw them do in game one. They did a really good job of playing like low to high to low, which is not something you see teams do a whole bunch. So that was like, you know, like they'd throw it inside, defense would shift, they'd throw it out to somebody like Wiggins or out to somebody like Curry. They'd pump fake, attack a closeout, D would step up and they got Looney like three times for just like easy dunks. You know, it's an interesting stat. Actually. I, I don't know how it's calculated box plus minus. I reference it a lot because Tatum was plus minus general plus minus was negative 36. I think it was the worst they said ever for a finals game. How much? Oh, he was minus 36 minus 36 in game two, but box plus minus, they said plus eight. So like, I I always thought it was so minus to box plus minus. minus is, is like supposed to be, uh, without considering like the players that are on the court with you. Yeah. But it's, but you think that's weird because he's, he was minus 36 and somehow they grade him as a positive player, but you probably yeah, he was, was minus 36 because they got blown out in third quarter, which wasn't his fault. Like no, it was, I, I mean, it was but everybody's I didn't, fault. I like could count for that. You know, did, I he thought play, was, did he play it all in the fourth? I don't think he did. Right. He played a minute uh, in the fourth and he was minus six. So, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart has to play better. Five turnovers, Tatum, four turnovers. The Boston, you know, we praise them for having that sort of like, you know, medium ball, no true point guard. But sometimes that like hurt, you know, it's like the Clippers. They'll get into those like offensive funks once in a while when they, because they, they don't have like that field general. And then you hear all this talk about how they need one. I don't know if they really do or not, but um, I don't Tatum think they, has to play better. Um, it's funny. I thought Tatum was so much better in game one than he was in game two. Like I, I, and I understand like he, like he shot shooting. it. Yeah. Like the shooting was better, but like, I thought he was worse defensively. I thought he was a, a, a much worse decision maker. I thought he was really bothered by like help side, like late help. I think they, they threw a bunch of looks at him where like he came off screens and like Draymond was there and he just kind of like panicked and the Warriors rotated correctly. And so we know that Tatum and Brown will turn the ball over. They, they lead the playoffs and turnovers. Like they're high turnover guys, just who they are. But Marcus Smart can't turn it over five times. I mean, well, that's, that's why I also think playing fast is good for Golden State because for whatever well, reason, Boston, they're, they, they're, they're going to push off every miss if they can. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but Boston, Brown, and Tatum, for whatever reason, they sometimes like the game like gets too quick for them and they kind of panic a little bit. You know, it's it's weird. Like, it should be a situation where they the game is fine, right? And Tatum particularly plays a very deliberate game i would say which is fine yes. I, you know i have no problem with that I, I like i said before he he's taken leaps as a playmaker that i thought he didn't have in him that's been the biggest change to me although he's been a very similar player the last couple of years but I, I do think like he's taken a leap as a playmaker that you know i, I didn't know but there see. are some times where it's like that sort of sam darnold jay cutler like interception kind of where it's just like it's not even like a good play by the defender. It's like he just like throws an Aaron pass. Yeah, he did the one, the one that Steph Curry picked off. I think it was like or it was like midway through the third quarter where he drove it down. They set like a high ball screen for him. Tatum dribbled it off to the left side. Like he dribbled to the uh, to the strong side. Realized he had nowhere to go, and then just like threw it back. Thought Al Horford would be open, and Curry had rotated down and just caught it as it like he was throwing it to him. That was like a, just a terrible decision. Like you just you just can't do that. You know, you're, you're better off just throwing it out of bounds. Like that's another thing. Like the Celtics turnovers are all like live ball turnovers too, Zan, which is the worst kind. Like if yeah, you just no, chuck, totally. If you just chuck it out of bounds, like that's great for them. I mean, it's not great because you yeah, don't score, but but it's, but it's probably better. better than a miss. You know, right? It's exa- that's exactly right. It's better than miss. Like they can go back, they can set their defense. It's fine. You're not gonna you're not gonna be very successful against the. Celtics in the half court a bunch. And I agree with you, like slowing it down, although they do play pretty deliberately as a team is very smart for them. Like, yeah, they're really good in transition. And I do think Jalen Brown needs to be pushing off misses more because I, I think like in the half court, he just is a minus to me. I know how good he was in, in game one, but if they're going to have Draymond on him, I, I just think like, that's not a matchup that's good for them on the offensive side of the ball. And they need to get him, loose a little bit if that makes sense because you don't want Jalen Brown definitely has some moments where like his shot selection is is I would say suboptimal and you'd probably rather have that come out of transition than you would in the half court in my opinion personally yeah well and then for Golden State's perspective we'll see I mean like so where are you leaning right now because it's one one that we said the odds are even for game three Boston's favored by about four towards I honestly don't know. I think I would probably lean towards Boston just because they have home court advantage. I am not sure. I'm not here. Here's my biggest concern with Golden State. They should be up 2-0. They should have, they should have closed out game one if they just defended correctly. Like they would have been fine in game one. And 
then they blew them out in game two, but like they were up what 18 in game one or 15 in game one. Like, it's not like they were really struggling to score. And so that to me definitely is a sign that like, maybe we underestimated golden state from an offensive standpoint, but I am worried. Like they're, they're going to have a game where they don't shoot it great. And obviously that matters quite a bit, but I'm a little bit worried. Like, I don't know if the adjustments they made defensively will definitely take, I'm not sure if it was a one game aberration or not. I think they made good adjustments, but like Clay Thompson looks terrible. I don't think Jordan Poole is reliable. So, like, yeah, Steph can go supernova and just win the series himself. I think he's that good. But, like, given that Boston has home court advantage and I don't expect them to have, like, three more games where they throw it all over, I'm a little worried about where Golden State's offense comes from if they can't generate turnovers at the same rate that they did in game two. So I would say – That's a great point. I would say Boston in game – Boston in seven seems like – Well, that would be – Maybe maybe it's, like, 55-45. You know what I mean? Like, it's not anything crazy. I think that you made a good point about, you know, if you, if you don't turn the ball over, they stay slow. And then from Golden State's perspective, I'm worried about two things. One, like, I don't want to see Iguodala back. And I think Kerr has that itch where he's just like tends to play the veterans. Yeah, I definitely do not want to see Andre Iguodala play more than, I mean, honestly, like zero minutes a game might be too many. Like, but I, yeah. I think he'll, Kerr will play him though. Like, I think yeah, he's he does. Five to like, 10 remember he used to play, you know, Anderson Verjao when he was older. Like, he likes veterans. Yeah, they probably lost them the Cavs series more more than anything other than the Draymond Green like kicking the nuts. Like, playing Verjao was like the biggest mistake. Like, it yeah. just made no sense. Like, it was and like it was sort of that old school, you know, because the old Bulls were old and the Spurs. Tended but to be I, old, I, you know, I will say, it is. I don't have a lot of complaints about Steve Kerr as like a tactician. I, I think he makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We've talked about his inability to kind of like optimize lineups from time to time, but he is willing to make quick changes. Like he, he doesn't really react emotionally, but if he thinks something's not working, like he is willing to make that change. The problem is that like he thinks Andre Iguodala works. Right. And so my, yeah. that, that's kind of my question, Zan. Like, let's say, you know, he played Gary Payton 25 minutes in game two. Right. And it worked, but like, let's say he's playing Gary Payton and it's, it's not working on offense and they just can't score with him. Is he going to go away from Gary Payton to Jordan Poole to try to make it work? And then is he willing to close with Gary Payton when like you need stops? Like, is he willing to do that? Or is he just going to roll with like, Hey, this has worked for us. Yeah. And that's I, where, I, Golden City, I think I, I would prefer Payton out there over Iguodala just because he's also more. No, as, definitely would prefer Payton over Iguodala. Definitely. It's not like Iguodala's less athletic than me he is at this point, but like Payton like attacks and he can get some dunks. He can just do some more yeah, stuff. Yeah, in transition, he's much more dangerous. And um, like I said, on the on the, the defensive side at this point, Iguodala's sort of, you know, he's so like one of the things it's, it's always fun when you watch Iguodala because like he's so much bigger than you remember, you know, like he's legitimately yeah, yeah. like six, nine and he's really long. Like he and Otto Porter, like they just look like those two and Jason Tatum. It's just like, you know, these are different human beings, you know, like they just look different, but like Iggy isn't the level of defender that he used. This isn't 2017 anymore. You know what I mean? This isn't 2014, like where he was legitimately a game changing perimeter defender. Like I don't really want him to guard like I prefer to have Otto Porter guard Tatum for longer stretches of time and definitely Gary Payton for sure. Cause, cause I want to get, this is the other thing I was going to point out. If we see them with Gary Payton a bunch, I wonder if golden State's like, Hey, let's just bait Boston into having Jason Tatum take a bunch of twos and really play like Kobe. Right. Cause he's done a really good job of not slowing their offense down, taking a lot of threes, like, but we know at the end of the day, like Jason Tatum has told us multiple times, like he wants to be Kobe Bryant. So like, he's perfectly okay with like, where did he get nope. that sense? 
the elbow post-ups, like he he might do that. And I wonder if like Golden State's like, hey, if we put a smaller defender on him, then like Tatum will just shoot mid-range jumpers, and that's great for us. Um, yeah, and the thing, I'll give you a prediction. Very yeah, specific. Where, where are you leaning? I had this vision. I should oh have said it before the last podcast because I, I had this before the series too. I thought Boston was going to win one or two in Golden State, which they did. I said that part on the podcast. You did say that. Um, and I thought it would be, I think and I said Golden State in seven, and I'm going to stick with that, but I'm going to be very specific now. I think Boston wins the next two games and Golden State rallies back from 3-1 and wins the series in seven. You had a, you had a vision of this? I had this vision. And the thing that scares me is, you know, I don't want your to visions are typically correct. So, you know, it's right. <laughs> is that why you don't want to, you don't want to ruin this? No, but like, I'm worried about clay. He just doesn't look right. I, I think of all the things we talk about, just like the variance and turnovers and three pointers. There's no, like, you know, do, old clay showing back up. Yeah. You know, I was going like, to say, like, not going to happen. Do we expect at least to see one game where clay Thompson scores 30? Like it was jarring to see him in the game in the fourth quarter of game two, the game was totally out of, out of reach, right? Boston was done. Boston put in Aaron Neesmith. As soon as Aaron Neesmith was in, the game was over, right? We knew Boston was conceded. They kept it in the game with Poole, who actually did kind of get going a little bit, but they kept Clay in the game to like, let him get shots. And he was getting like pretty open looks and they just looked terrible. Like he had a, he had an open three, like right off the screen, bottom of the screen, like above the break, no shot. It was just like, you could tell, like he was in the game to like, get his confidence right and he looked terrible but he, i mean i used, to, they used to like him as a shooter but but yeah, yeah you have to you have to guard him right you have to guard. Yes. but like we definitely don't need the old clay thompson drives it to the nail like pivots right. and shoots a fatal remember right? like, yeah he used to like post up sometimes yeah, we definitely yeah, don't need the like clay drives it and tries to finish on the other side of the rim because like that explosion doesn't exist and like the the other thing i i, I am curious and we'll, we'll end it here because like you gave your vision and so like there's not much else to say <laughs> but I am very curious to see how much more Boston matchup hunts specifically Clay Thompson because they've done it. We've seen them do it. They were really successful in game one. Golden State made an adjustment, but like it's hard to matchup hunt when like Horford's the guy, right? So like, yeah, you can set a screen, but the problem is the guy who's on you is probably a good defender, right? So like they can get over top the screen and then all of a sudden like you're throwing it back to Horford. And now you're in a late shot clock situation with a guy who can't drive it. And so I'm interested to see if we'll see a little bit more like not cross matching, but if we'll see like Boston run a couple more off the ball actions to try to get clay in a more favorable position to attack. And then also going back to Steve Kerr, cause I think he does rely on his veterans. Like let's just say for whatever argument clay just doesn't look good. Well, they're not um, benching. They're not benching. That, well, that's what there's I'm saying. No, like, there's no. I'm order. not there's, saying benching, but would they ever play him 25 minutes as opposed to 30? Yeah, maybe. You if know. you know, if he wasn't feeling, if he was hurt, right? If he if he was like, I can't go more than this. But they don't really have like it. it it's hard, right? Because like, if you play pool, he is. So pool is atrocious defender. Like not maybe like Trey Young level bad, right? But he's also a little bigger. But like Clay is bigger than pool, right? He understands their system. He's stronger than pool. So like, if you bench Clay. You, you can't play the same way that you tried to play in game two, right? Because Poole can't guard Horford. That's not possible. And I'll stick one more specific in my vision. I think... Auto Porter? That's going to be auto Porter specific, as you might have guessed. But I think Boss, Golden State's going to be happy with game two, come back out with the same strategy. I think they're going to rally back from 3-1 once they realize, like, look, we have to start auto Porter. 
kind of go right yeah. away with the sort of death lineup of Porter, Wiggins, and Draymond. They do not seem to think that the death lineup with Otto Porter is their best lineup. Like, well, they is, don't. They don't want to do it with Jordan Poole because I think they think they're too small. But no, they shouldn't do it with Jordan. Like, I mean, you can right because then you have four yeah. shooters, right? But I agree with you. Like, it's hard against Boston because then you're exactly right. Like, Curry, Poole, Clay, Porter, Draymond. Like, yeah, in theory, nobody should be able to get stops on you, but how are you going to guard? Right. right? But like, if you do, if you have Steph and clay, let's just say clay's playable and then Porter and Wiggins and then Draymond at the five, like, I think that's their best lineup. Um, and I think it, if they're backs against the wall, they're going to have to play that lineup 30 plus minutes a night. They should play that lineup. Have we seen that lineup? Do we I know? mean, we have to look up. Have. I've seen it at times. It looks always the most reliable to me, but I think there's something on, on Porter and his health or whatever. Right, hold on. Let me look. I want to see if that lineup's been in. I just, I literally yeah. just loaded it up. Cause they just, for whatever reason, like teams just don't trust them to play over, you know, 20, play 22 minutes a night. This All year. right. So they're, they're current. Uh, what, what did we say this lineup was? This lineup is Porter. Okay. Porter, Curry Wiggins. Thompson. All right. So this lineup has put 34 minutes together. Uh, not shockingly, it has the highest offensive rating of a lineup that's played more than like 30 minutes, 140 offensive rating, but 121 defensive rating. So, yeah, I mean, well, that, that might be clay related to, or just size related, but I still think that's, if I'm a defense, like, how do you stop that lineup? Yeah. They don't have, they don't have one specific lineup that's played like a ton of minutes that has like a super high net rating. Um, Bielitsa, Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Moses Moody. That's played 11 <laughs> minutes together. I think we might see a little more Bielitsa too. No. So here, here's, yeah. Like here's one that's been, so Curry, Porter, Wiggins, Looney, and Poole has been really good. Uh, let me see. What least favorite lineup is when they have Looney, Draymond, and Iguodala. Yeah, that lineup's very annoying. Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Looney, Poole is been a good one. All right, what did we say this one was? Sorry. Which one? The original one? I mean, their starting about? lineup has the best net rating so far in the playoffs, but... Yeah, and, and Looney, Looney's that. stats are still good. It's and he's really came on Looney's good. Yeah, this is a it has a net rating of like ten. It's good. They should play it against this specific team. They need to. Sh- they should show that, and they should also show the same lineup with Pool in it some, and with Gary Payton to see because yeah. you can play Gary Payton at the four on offense and be fine. Like well, he can set good. screens yeah. and short roll, but hopefully Golden State's listening to us because I, I want this three one comeback to. Because think about the three one comeback. So oh, I know it would close. It would close the circle on like the sixteen, seventeen. Well, not only that, but like think about how not um, surprising it would be in the sense that like game six, you you know, you're down three one, you come back to Golden State. You know, Boston probably feels good about being up three one. They they drop that game, so you really just have to win game six in Boston, which is going to be very tough. But if you do that, then you're coming home for game seven with the momentum, two wins in a row, and then you'd be favored. So it's really, can you win game six on the road? And I think they can. All right. Although, well, you know, hey, I'm sure they'd rather win one of these two and make it less I just, I'm just happy that you won't be upset if they lose both of these. You won't be like, oh, the series is over. Golden I don't know. Good. You know what? Like, honestly, you've had this good vision, teams. so you've got to trust No, it, right? I'll tell you, I would not be surprised if either team won for one. Like, it, you know, they're both good teams. It could yeah, happen. it's the type of series that's really close. So, yeah. like, yeah, I understand Golden State blew them out in game one, in game two, and the Celtics blew them out in the fourth quarter in game one. But, like, it's stuff on the margins. It's going to shift these games. And I'm so. happy with this playoffs. You know, whoever wins, because as I said, Boston well, might just go four one or Golden State might one of just go four one. One of these teams is a very reasonable champ. Like they're one of yeah. they, these two teams. Boston, you can make an argument is the best team in the NBA. Golden State certainly at full strength is 
was as good as or close to as good as Phoenix. And so like and these are we always talk about asterisks and this might be like the smallest asterisk in decades because there's really no excuses. I mean, yeah, the only one, you know, the only one we won't talk. Ben Simmons doesn't count, obviously. But doesn't the, count. The Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton. Yeah, because like Kawhi being out, he was out the whole year. You know, Ben Simmons was out the whole year. Anyway. Yeah, it didn't didn't really matter. Right. I, I don't I agree. And Milwaukee, that. like for Middleton being out is the biggest difference. But look, Milwaukee wasn't dominant this year. Like this was not their best year. No, um, no. So maybe they didn't deserve the title this year. So no, I think either of these teams would be worthy. The only shocking result this whole year was Phoenix losing, but Alice is really no good. Excuses. Like, yeah. yeah. So, all right. That's it for us this week. I don't think we'll be back in between the series shift, probably just next week, maybe Monday. I think there's I think games are Wednesday, Friday, Sunday again. So I don't know. Maybe we'll go Monday. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. Maybe Tuesday, same kind of cadence, but uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.